You're visiting your friends from out of town, laughing at a new comedy special on Netflix. Maybe you're all watching a football game and eating some chips, or it could be that you're just at a crowded party and as an introvert, you're that person in the corner having a conversation with a dog. We've all been there and honestly kind of prefer it. But then something unexpected happens. When you go to stand up, you slip. Maybe it's on someone's spilled drink, or maybe the household dog peed all over the floor and you fell in it. Gross, but either way, you took a pretty hard fall. That hurts, but it's okay. You can just brush it off and hope no one else notices. Only everything hurts, like really hurts. You didn't just twist your knee and curse, but your chest is in agony and it's a sharp pain. Walking no longer feels easy and your arm feels like it's going numb. Like what the hell is happening? Are you dying? By now, you're probably panicking at least a little bit. Your friends are most certainly terrified. This came out of literally nowhere. So they call an ambulance and off you go to the hospital. Thankfully, you did not have a heart attack. It was just some sprained tendons and ligaments as well as some really nasty bruising. But overall, you're okay. However, you nearly do have a heart attack when the bill comes in, $3,660. But hey, you've got great health insurance at least, right? Yeah, well, they only cover half of that. So you've gotta pay just under $2,000 for a four mile long ambulance ride. Now, this might sound like a mistake, an exaggeration, but it's not. This is almost exactly what happened to Roman Barche, a software engineer. He told Fierce Healthcare that had he known what he would have to pay ahead of time, he would have crawled to the hospital himself. While crawling with emergency room where the injuries isn't ideal for anyone, many have found alternatives to an expensive ambulance ride, like Lyft and Uber. Uber or Lyft for a ride to the emergency room. Skipping the more expensive and sometimes slow. This isn't unheard of in the slightest. In fact, it's become a real problem. Ride-sharing apps are not a substitute for medical care, but with how unaffordable ambulances are, Many people don't want to pay an arm or a leg for that ride, especially when they're not feeling well already. I don't think I really have to explain the consequences of neglecting your health, taking too long to get into the ER, or the financial burden of a $2,000 medical bill. None of that is fun to deal with. All of it sucks. And it's a consequence of the US healthcare system, right? Well, not exactly. Like, it kind of is, and it kind of isn't. Yes, the healthcare system in the US is a broken, tangled mess, but ambulances are actually an entirely different beast. Did you know that many ambulance companies are actually privatized and these ambulance companies are severely underfunded by Medicaid and Medicare? State laws that protect patients from surprise billing don't happen with ambulances. Few states have laws that limit ambulance charges and private ambulance companies can fall out of network for insurance plans. The list of issues here is incredibly long and actually very surprising. And while we might not get through all of it today, I did want to highlight some of the most important parts in this episode of The Corporate Casket. So let's take a look at what's gone wrong in the ambulance industry. Appointments, but now a new trend is emerging. Some sick people are calling an Uber or Lyft instead of an ambulance to get to the ER. Charged with murder for the death of a patient in their care, newly released body cam, video shows an completely against protocol to literally be thrown face down down on the stretcher as this individual was and then um, that I've been spat at Uh, the patient had hepatitis C so obviously there was concerns over whether I'd I'd contract anything got into this because almost Um, like a calling in a way you you loved it you wanted to do it does it ever make you think do you know what this just isn't worth it no no 
Let's start by breaking down the first and most obvious issue that we all have with ambulances, the cost. One study showed that 71% of ambulance providers don't even take a patient's insurance. And if they do, they may not cover the whole thing. That same study showed that 79% of patients who took a ground ambulance were on the hook for an average of $450. An air ambulance is an average of $21,000. So let's hope you never have a real emergency while hiking or some distance from a hospital unless you're a millionaire or something, right? Yet, despite about 40% of Americans needing to borrow money to cover an unexpected $1,000 emergency, ambulances continue to charge these exorbitant prices and virtually nothing is being done. While the kind of ambulance, the length of the ride, services provided, and other things of that nature do factor in cost, it also comes down to the organizations themselves. Sometimes you might get lucky. The rescue squad is funded completely by grants and donations from residents and businesses in the town. So there's no out-of-pocket charge at the point of use. We're lucky that we live in a very generous and affluent community. Um, so we don't generally have difficulty raising the funds. Because all of the rescue squads, dispatchers, and EMTs are volunteers, the organization can- As this nonprofit explains, in less affluent areas, if a nonprofit can't run through donors alone, then a town might have to resort to other measures, like contracting a private ambulance company. Many of these high costs come from these for-profits who, in turn, have to pass those costs on to consumers. It's a classic example of the rich stay rich and the poor get poorer. If you live in a wealthy area, lucky you, this whole episode might not actually apply. But when you're at what may be one of the lowest points of your life and you don't have the luxury of choosing which ambulance you can take, then you could get slapped with a bill that could be financially crippling. And this is bad enough, but thanks to the pandemic, things have, of course, only gotten worse. Some ambulance crews treated patients at home to avoid overcrowding at the hospital, but Medicare treated them like expensive taxi cabs and literally didn't pay for those services. Oh, and your ambulance company wants Medicare to throw a few dollars your way because you provided life-saving on-the-scene care? No, nonsense. Unless you drove someone to the hospital, then you get nothing. And I think that's crazy. According to Stat News, this meant that virus-related costs absolutely piled up for these companies. Quote, their frontline providers aren't being given priority access to personal protective equipment, and they aren't even eligible for death benefits that are available to governmental and not-for-profit ambulance services. So what does that mean? Well, more stress put on these systems that are already burdened, and obviously that doesn't make anything better. Of course, that doesn't mean that all private ambulance companies are acting in good faith and are stretched thin or struggling to provide care to their communities. For example, since ambulances can cost $500,000 to a million dollars alone, companies strive to reduce overhead. This means purchasing the cheapest gear, cheapest vehicles, and of course, the cheapest workers. And if you're taking the McDonald's of emergency services route, a monopoly by the name of American Medical Response, it sure as hell shows. Here are a few reviews from their Yelp page. Charged us $1,400 to take my wife two blocks to a radiation center then charged another 1,400 back to the hospital. Corporate corruption at its finest. Another reads, AMR took her about four miles to the local hospital and we received a bill for $1,857. We have insurance, but AMR is private and not in network for any providers. This is absurd. And last but not least, here's a third. This company has no problem balance billing the patient thousands of dollars, even when the insurance covers 100% of the ambulance ride. They don't have a care in the world about working with the patient on a cost that even the insurance company thinks is unreasonably high. 
they can just make up whatever cost they want and force the patient to cover the difference. AMR is, without any doubt in my mind, one of the worst offenders out there. They recently had to pay $600,000 to resolve government billing claims. Apparently, they were billing Medicaid and Medicare for services that they didn't provide, but which were instead provided by the local fire departments. AMR had called this a billing misunderstanding, but since this misunderstanding lasted about five years, I'm not all that inclined to believe them. Besides, $600,000 is nothing for this company. After a handful of patients, they'll probably make it all back with the ridiculous amounts of money they charge, and I'm barely exaggerating. Essentially, if a for-profit is wicked and money-hungry like AMR, they're going to overbill you. And if you don't have a nonprofit in your area, you're likely to get overbilled too because the system is trash and there's really no winning here. But if it's any consolation, we're not alone in this struggle. The paramedics hate this too, apparently. You've probably seen this meme somewhere. McDonald's and other fast food workers have fought along with many other employees to receive a $15 minimum wage. Meanwhile, EMTs have always received low wages comparable to minimum wage. It's actually gotten to the point that the poor pay of EMTs has basically become its own joke or an argument to insist that other workers shouldn't be paid more. That's why you'll see your great aunt Betty tell Facebook that Taco Bell workers shouldn't get $15 an hour if an ambulance driver is only getting 16. And hear me out, crazy thing, but maybe everyone should make a living wage, Betty. Have you thought of that? But back to the point, EMTs are underpaid and severely so, and I don't think anyone's denying that. In December, 2022, CBS reported that the national average pay is $17.05 an hour or about $35,000 a year. It's actually one of the lowest paying jobs in healthcare too. Quote, low pay was the primary reason roughly one third of all EMTs quit in 2021. And think about the job of a paramedic for a minute. Sure, there are time-wasting calls like drunks complaining of injuries they don't have, but there are endless stories about life-changing calls, 16-hour shifts, the fear of getting sick, and so much more. Many EMTs have seen children die, people shot, horrific burns, stab wounds, you name it, they've probably seen it. I mean, is it really any wonder that the turnover rate is so high? The average EMT lasts only two years before they experience total burnout and have to leave the industry. And that's very impressive, but not in a good way. Under these conditions, I don't really know how long I would last and that two-year mark looks really, really far away. And I say this as someone who I probably shared before, I used to be a lifeguard for many years and you know, the next step with lifeguarding is essentially EMT work. And I had many lifeguard friends that essentially took the courses and the training and became EMTs and we stayed in contact through it. And it was uh, hellish. And actually their commentary and the things that they told me when we'd go hang out and stuff like that are the main reasons why I didn't ever pull the trigger and become an EMT myself. But I digress. With some jobs, CEOs and owners may not care about that high turnover rate. What does it matter if their fast food employees are miserable? As long as you get your food and keep coming back for more, then they'll stay in business. But with ambulances, we simply cannot have these workers trying to take care of dire, fatal scenarios on little sleep with such little money to even take care of themselves. Not only does it make for miserable workers, but upsetting interactions with people in danger too. Nathan J. Robinson detailed his experience in Stray Thoughts, in which he witnessed two paramedics approach a disheveled, possibly homeless woman at a New York City diner. They insisted she pay her bill and got upset when she said she couldn't, asking why would she order food if she couldn't pay it? 
One young man at the diner paid for her. The paramedics told the woman she should be grateful, then insisted she come to the ambulance. As Nathan explained, quote, the paramedics had very clear contempt for her, treating her as a nuisance who was bothering restaurant patrons and needed to be removed. She wasn't actually bothering anyone, of course, but the paramedics were aggressive and unsympathetic in the way that many cops are. Initially, Nathan even thought they were cops at first based on the way that they had treated her, which says a lot about cops in this country, but I digress. The point here is that while being overworked is no excuse for how nasty and hostile these paramedics acted, asking these workers to be kind, compassionate, and patient in emergencies for 60 or more hours a week is also a really hard ask, especially for the really shit pay. It's robotic and it shouldn't be expected of anyone. Paramedics are humans too. And this level of burnout isn't normal by the way, and it can lead to first responders even taking their own lives, having intense relationship issues and developing PTSD. Things do need to change here. We're only about halfway through the episode-ish, and it's clear that the system is broken here. While that's unsurprising for healthcare in general, ambulances are their own special kind of mess. Because although what we've said is disheartening, it gets worse, both for ambulances and their riders. Please note that this next section will extensively mention abuse and sexual assault. Please do not continue if you're not in the headspace to hear these types of things. Thank you. Um, He said, you may be saving lives, but don't park your van in a stupid place and block my drive. Um, And uh, and then uh, this gentleman has apologized profusely. If you're an EMT, it's practically a guarantee that at some point in your career, you're going to be abused. Maybe you'll get cursed at, spit on, punched. If you can imagine it, it can happen. And it probably already has happened. Now, before anyone says, hey, that comes with the territory, I'm not saying that EMTs are signing up for this job completely unaware. Some are given self-defense training to be better prepared, but this still is not an excuse for these kinds of behaviors. Violence against EMTs is not acceptable because you're going through a rough time. One study said that more than two thirds of paramedics experienced verbal abuse within the past year and about 42% faced intimidation and around 25% said they had been physically abused. Sexual harassment and sexual assault occurred at 14% and 3% respectively. And as a side note, the statistics from this study came out of Canada, but there isn't much research to come by. I presume that the US's statistics are similar. Mr. Bigham, an advanced care flight paramedic and associate scientist with a research group in Toronto told The Globe and Mail, quote, I wasn't surprised that paramedics experience violence in the field, but I was very surprised at how many are reporting that violence. When you span that out over a 20 or 30 year career, we're looking at a lot of violent events happening with these paramedics. This is of course, assuming that a paramedic actually lasts that long in the first place, given the high turnover we mentioned earlier. Not to mention, it's not all that clear if these numbers are even accurate. That's not to say that I think the study is faulty, but that paramedics probably don't discuss these incidents in great detail. As Bingham says, it's seen as part of the job. Yet employers knowing this still have little sympathy. In Canada, protective vests may be offered to EMTs or you may have to pay for your own. In Australia, similar beliefs that this is simply how it is have circled and urgent care has been delayed because of severe safety concerns. In the US, many EMTs will buy their own safety vests to stay protected against gun violence. And New York City's council only just recently guaranteed their EMTs will have body armor vests and self-defense training this past year. It's better late than never, I suppose, but never late is better. 
But with the dangers of the job being overlooked or wholly dismissed as part of the gig, we actually can't truly know how severe these incidents get or what the long-term mental health consequences may be. This is a worldwide problem, and at the moment, there's no clear solution on the horizon. Seven months, um, but I've been spat at. Uh, the patient had hepatitis C, so obviously there was concerns over whether I'd, I'd contract anything. Um, there's been endless verbal abuse, um, sexual comments as well. And um, I'm so, you've been groped as yeah. well? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is just two, two girls going to work, trying to get on with their life, trying to save other people's yeah. lives. Does it put you off the, the job that you've chosen? Because both of you got into this. Because Hell, it's even become so common that you can see it on A&E's show Nightwatch as entertainment. All right, PD's here. Call four. All right, it's call four. Officer, I'm the deputy chief of EMS and I want that man booked. While the life of a paramedic is absolutely intense, high stakes, and may honestly make for good television, I think it's really important to recognize that we can simply turn off the television. We're not consistently getting attacked, nor do we need to face the mental health consequences of it. If watching Nightwatch gives you some sort of sympathy for the crap that these paramedics face, then remember that real people like this exist and act on it. Donate, fight for higher wages, whatever feels right for you but they don't deserve this. Unfortunately, the abuse does not stop with EMTs. Patients have faced it too. Illinois paramedics charged with murder for the death of a patient in their care. Newly released body cam video shows them improperly strapping the victim to a stretcher face down. In December 2022, 35-year-old Earl Moore called 911 because he saw multiple people with guns. He seemed to be having a hallucinatory episode and Peggy Finley and Peter Cadigan arrived at the scene to bring him to the hospital. While I'm not about to say that hallucinating is normal, this seemed like a relatively straightforward situation. But Finley and Cadigan made a fatal error. They put Moore face down on the stretcher, tightened the straps around his back and Moore suffocated to death. Body camera footage shows paramedics treating him like trash up until they point too. Sit up. This morning, two EMTs, Peter Cadigan and Peggy Finley, charged with first-degree murder after the man they were dispatched to help, Earl Moore Jr., later died at a hospital. The ordeal unfolding December 18th and captured on body camera video. And believe it or not, but this wasn't even the first time Cadigan had even been involved in a death on the job before. He hit and killed a child while driving an ambulance at one point though a judge ruled him not culpable in that case. But this time, both Finley and Cadigan faced murder charges because without a doubt, they should have known better. It doesn't take a paramedic to know what strapping someone face down to a stretcher can do to them and that that's just not a good idea. Now, the thing is, I don't think that either of these paramedics woke up that morning thinking about murdering someone. It didn't seem premeditated, but they were rude, nasty, cruel, and simply didn't care enough to transport more properly. It seems like they strapped him down tight because they were tired of dealing with Moore without even considering the consequences of their actions. So yes, they did commit murder. And the most gruesome bit of it was how easy it was. Two irritable paramedics became killers that night. I don't know if they ever went into work to truly help people or if they were just pushed beyond their point of caring, but I'm also not sure that that matters. Paramedics are working with the most vulnerable people out there. And if they don't show compassion and care in their work, lives are on the line. Worse yet, if they're just horrible people, as there are in any profession, then that means people who are already suffering and in need of help are on the receiving end of that cruelty. 
Take this past May, for example. One 82-year-old woman, Jane Doe, fell at an assisted living home. She has Parkinson's and so an ambulance was called. Jane was strapped to a gurney for transport and while one paramedic drove, the other blindfolded her and sexually assaulted her. Jane only speaks Cantonese and so her daughter-in-law translated what she said to investigators. Quote, a bad man did horrible things to her. The paramedic, Miguel Ontiveros, was later charged with two counts of forcible oral copulation. After considering how horrific that is and wondering what kind of special place in hell is waiting for him, one important question does come to mind. How did this even happen? Weren't there signs? Well, for starters, he was hired by American Medical Response, the McDonald's of the ambulance world, who allegedly ignored that he was unfit for service. The Sacramento Bee writes that he'd been dismissed in 2020 for submitting fraudulent time cards. In December, 2020, he was charged with grand theft. And in May, 2022, while working for AMR, he assaulted an elderly woman. In other words, Antiveros had enough red flags to fill a carnival and AMR continued to let him ride alone in the back of the ambulance with patients. This is one of the biggest private ambulance services out there. This action alone tells me that they don't give not one fuck about protecting sick or vulnerable individuals. They just wanna keep cheap labor, stuff their wallets, and pretend that nothing's wrong while they profit off a broken system. I wonder if this has happened to elderly women with dementia. I wonder how many are not caught because the patient simply is not in a place to know what's happening. Those thoughts alone are terrifying, but it's not just AMR either. One Fort Mill, South Carolina paramedic, Opadell, spent less than 37 minutes in jail after he had been arrested for allegedly sexually assaulting a 17-year-old in the back of an ambulance. His bond basically let him sign himself out. Chief Johnny Jennings was appalled, stating that his time in jail had been, quote, shorter than the amount of time it took the arresting officers to return to their desks. Now, Opadell hasn't actually been charged yet as an investigation and prosecution has yet to occur but I most certainly hope that he does spend time in jail that he deserves. But again, this makes me wonder if he would have been allowed to go straight back to work if you know it wasn't reported. While Fort Mill EMS is conducting an investigation, AMR hasn't shown much concern for workers committing crimes. Would he be allowed to keep transporting patients after these accusations? And what about a Kansas paramedic who was also freed after allegedly sexually assaulting a woman while she was taking painkillers and sedatives? Or take this 2019 case when ASAP EMS had an employee, James Wally, sexually assault women on multiple occasions. One woman was assaulted so brutally that she miscarried within 48 hours, and another had been abused after a car accident left her with limited mobility. Again, ASAP was notified right away that Wally was doing this, but they kept him employed. In my opinion, this is yet another symptom of how broken this industry is. If EMS companies were better funded, maybe they could afford to pay workers what they deserve and leave behind the ones that are obviously dangerous. But that leaves us to, I guess, one of our final questions is where are we and what can we do? And is there any regulation coming down the pipeline to help? Well, some, there's some stuff going on, kind of. We're gonna take a look at that after today's sponsor. Tired of the endless search for the perfect outfit? Stitch Fix is here to make it easy. Using their online platform and expert stylist, you'll have access to a custom wardrobe that fits your style and budget. So say goodbye to the stress of shopping and hello to the convenience of Stitch Fix. 
Now, if you've been here for a little bit, you know that I absolutely adore Stitch Fix and of course, big fan of the sweaters, but I'm a person who wears sweaters all year round. I don't care how hot or how cold it is, sweaters forever. And Stitch Fix makes it really easy to find the perfect fit, whether it's a sweater, pants, shorts, shoes, skirts, tops, dresses, accessories, you name it, they have it. All you have to do is answer a few questions and where you typically get your clothes from, what you like to wear and your general price range. And then with those choices in mind and a wide range of sizes available from extra small to triple XL, they'll find your perfect fit and send you clothing handpicked for you. And they've got you covered with over 1000 brands and styles that you know and love. So try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com casket and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Again, that's stitchfix.com slash casket for 25% off your first fix today. Stitchfix.com slash casket. The overarching problem here is one I've talked about until I'm blue in the face. Well, purple and sea green, but still, it comes down to regulation. There's no one to tell the private ambulance industry what to charge, what quality of supplies they need, none of that. It's like when police say that they're going to investigate themselves. We all know it's kind of a joke and a third party really needs to step in. This is a different industry, but a similar concept. Take this article from the New York Times, for example. In it, Shelley Domash tells a story about a pregnant woman that began to hemorrhage. The woman, Mrs. Mattia, said that the three paramedics who responded didn't ask how she was doing or how she was feeling. They just started talking about the weather. Quote, I was very upset and began shaking all over. Finally, I said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to the hospital. And I walked into the ambulance. This was a Bayville Fire Department ambulance. And although the fire department in that area has a better reputation, the ambulance itself wasn't part of the county system, nor did it have advanced life support equipment despite taking those calls. The fire chief McKinney refused to comment on this, but still insisted it would be better for residents to get into their ambulance instead of waiting longer for a police department ambulance that may have better equipment. And sure, while many fire departments do have excellent volunteer ambulances, these ones just weren't it. Quote, under present laws, they can send out any type of vehicle with no standards on the equipment and no medical technicians on board. This article sounds pretty similar to the issues we face today, but get this, it's from almost 40 years ago, from 1984. For decades now, we've known about these controversies, the lack of care and the poor treatment of paramedics and patients alike. In recent years, the news has taken a similar stance, writing that there's simply not enough accountability from the ambulance services. They treat their employees horribly and let their employees treat others horribly too. No one wins except perhaps company owners. Now, I don't wanna say that every single private ambulance service out there is awful, but it seems that there really can be more bad ones than good ones. And given how easy it is for the former to thrive, it's no wonder we're stuck in this awful position. Everyone deserves healthcare, let alone when in a dangerous emergency. But unless serious reform happens, that help will also come at a serious cost for everyone involved. But with all of that being said, that's where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned something new today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. As always, thank you so much for making it to the end of the episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.